Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, and free us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My assistant, Elizabeth Dawkins, shared a story with me this week about a family who had moved here to North Carolina in the days before GPS. The family had twin sons who were about five when they moved, and so the mom would be out and about doing errands, getting to know the area, and she would strap the boys in the back seat and off they would go. One day as she was driving, the boys both began to cry. Alarmed, she pulled the car over and turned around and asked, boys, what's wrong? One of them replied, you're lost. <laughs> what makes you think I'm lost? You always sing hymns when you're lost, and we can hear you singing hymns so we know you're lost. <laughs> the boys were right. When she got lost, even without realizing it, she sang hymns as a way of channeling her anxiety. We all know what it feels like to be lost, and we all have different methods of reacting or of coping. Among the choices out there, singing hymns is probably one of the better choices, but it was also a signal to her twins in the back seat that she was lost and feeling anxious. Getting lost is simply a part of our human experience. You could say, along with death and taxes, getting lost is the third sure thing that we all experience more than once in our lifetime. What do you do when you get lost? Is there a pattern, a reaction, conscious or unconscious? For me, if I'm in the car, I start to drive faster. <laughs> I didn't say the response was a rational one, but I absolutely hate the feeling of being lost. And so my body just kind of takes over, and I guess the twisted logic is that if I move faster, I will spend less time being lost. <laughs> Needless to say, it doesn't work very well. In the parables from today's gospel, Jesus is addressing the theme of being lost. Not just when we lose our way or lose our bearings, but also when we lose something that is precious to us. The lost sheep and the lost coin are parables about losing and being lost. There are many ways that we talk about our feelings of losing, being lost in thought, lost in sadness, losing our perspective, losing control. Of course, these are all metaphors for that ultimate loss, losing ourselves. But the parables are less about what we do when we are lost and more about what God is doing when we lose our way. Simply put, the parables teach us that when we are lost, 
God finds a way to find us. I would add one other note that won't surprise you. When God is finding a way to find us, if we keep moving and keep moving faster, we make ourselves harder to find. In other words, my impulse to go faster is one of the least helpful reactions and often only makes matters worse. I mention this not so much to claim some special status as the worst offender, the way Paul, with his rhetoric in the epistle to Timothy, describes himself as the foremost of sinners. I point this out because as a culture and as a society, the fact that we are moving so fast, really too fast all the time, should be a signal to us that we have lost our way, that we are moving in a wrong direction, that we have strayed from the path that brings life and health and wholeness to us and to our neighbors. The fact that as a society we seem to be moving at breakneck speed all the time should be a signal to us, like their mother's hymn singing was a signal to the twins that we have lost our way. God is finding a way to find us, to help us slow down, to reorient, to center our lives and ourselves on the things that bring life and health and wholeness. Things like love of neighbor, service to others, justice and protection for the most vulnerable. But the parables make it clear that God does not look on our behavior with judgment and condemnation when we get lost. God's impulse is to look on us with love. And out of that love, God finds a way to find us. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. While it may go against our nature, or at least our culture, the invitation of the gospel and of the wisdom of Jesus is when we are lost to slow down, to change our pace, to take stock of where we are, to look to others for help, and to allow ourselves to be found by God. There's a wonderful poem by David Wagoner, which was introduced to me by a dear friend and former senior warden in a parish I served. It captures the truth of the invitation to allow ourselves to be found by God. The poem is called simply, Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes, listen, it answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, 
you may come back again, saying, Here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. The first call of discipleship is to find and be found by God. Those of you who are being confirmed and received today, this is what we are celebrating with you. You have found and been found by God. And this journey of faith is now your home in a deeper and more intentional way. It doesn't mean that you will never feel lost again. It does mean that when you do feel lost, God's invitation is to slow down, to breathe, to stand still, to take in all that is around you. God knows where you are. You must let God find you. I was on a retreat with our deacons yesterday. Bonnie was there. And the retreat leader, Ed Bacon, former rector of All Saints Pasadena, shared a story from his own childhood. At the age of five, he found himself in a pine grove near his home in southern Georgia one fall afternoon. At some point, he suddenly felt this indescribable presence with him that filled him with a sense of warmth and peace and belonging. He didn't know where it came from, but he said it felt to him as almost as if God was saying to him, you are the most beloved and wonderful person I have ever made. And then Ed said, the voice added, and so is everyone else. I love that. I love the way he told that story. I love that he described himself as feeling beloved. Did you notice in the parables that Jesus tells this morning, he begins the explanation about the rejoicing when the lost is found with the words, just so. How many of you remember the just so stories from Rudyard Kipling? Anybody remember those? Those were favorites of mine growing up. I love them because they were imaginative explanations for the ways that animals got certain features. But apparently the words just so didn't come from the gospel today, but came from the fact that his daughter Josephine wanted to tell, wanted him always to tell the story exactly the same way, just so, because it oriented her. It helped her to feel at home. And if you remember the stories, you remember what he called the one to whom the story is addressed, best beloved, best beloved. We find our home in knowing that we 
are God's best beloved. Each of us. All of us. This week we lost a leader who in many ways embodied the complexities that we all share. She was not perfect. She lost her way at times. But she was faithful. And she turned again and again to the person and teachings of Jesus to make sense of this world and to find a way forward. And she has been a steady and constant presence in her role as Queen of England for my entire life. In her letter to the bishops gathering at Lambeth just a month ago, Queen Elizabeth wrote, as we all emerge from the pandemic, I know that the conference is taking place at a time of great need for the love of God, both in word and in deed. Throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide and my hope. It is my heartfelt prayer that you will continue to be sustained by your faith in the times of trial and encouraged by hope in times of despair. I'm still surprised how deeply affected I was by the announcement of her death. Maybe it's because she's the only leader who has been a constant presence as a leader for my entire life. Maybe it is because for all the grandeur of her title, she is someone that we can identify with and relate to as her struggles and missteps were as evident as her effectiveness, her leadership, and her success. Or maybe it's because she was always a person of faith who had the humility to acknowledge her need for God and to simply let God find a way to find her whenever she was lost. This is God's promise to each of us, to all of us. This is the gift of God's love at the heart of confirmation and reception and embodied in the life, the message, and the teachings of Jesus. He is our hope, our constant companion, our guide, and our rock. God knows where we are. We must let God find us. Amen.